Thank you, Brother Shama, for that leading us this morning. Appreciate the praise team leading us and everybody that does their part, guys in the back and the sound, the video, and so many people play such a vital part in church to make things go. And thank you so much, brother, for leading us. Can we just give them a hand this morning and appreciate a hand of appreciation for their faithfulness to lead us? Man, that was just Christ-honoring worship. Praise the Lord for God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we are able to come and worship this morning three in one. Uh, and worship in spirit and in truth. We're just so grateful for the excitement the Lord has going on here at Red House Baptist Church. So thankful for your ministry. I just want to say a word of appreciation to Brother Dwayne. I'm just grateful for that good brother, and it's been great to get to know him more and more uh, over the last several weeks. And he's just a, a great man of God, and I just really appreciate him. And you lift him up and pray for him any opportunity that the Lord may lay him on your heart for do, to do that. And just really appreciate his leadership and all that he's providing to this church and community uh, and to as you continue to reach people uh, for Christ. So just so thankful, so thankful for him. Again, as I said, thankful for all that the ministries the Lord is, is, has going on here. I, uh, all the announcements, there's something to be excited about here. Amen, church? There's something to be excited about the Lord doing here and in your church and this community as you continue to reach people for Christ. I was thinking about uh, the Upward Basketball and Cheerleading, the church I previously served. Uh, we did Upward Basketball and Cheerleading, and man, I tell you what, there's just nothing like that. I don't think on the face of the, of the earth, of the planet, uh, all the excitement that happens in upper basketball and cheerleading. And I just think it's a great gospel opportunity for any church that participates in that. I can't encourage you enough to get involved any way that you can. You might say, Ian, I don't know how to dribble basketball. I don't know how to scream and holler or, you know, wave a pom-pom. But I'm telling you what, if you've got a voice, you have an opportunity to come and hang out. I, I encouraged uh, my church that I served, Beulah Baptist Church was the church I served, uh, uh, towards the end of my time there, the Lord just really opened my eyes up to the great gospel opportunity that was there. And I just encouraged the church. I said, look, you may not have any role at all to play in this in this program. You you may not be a coach. You may not be a referee. You may not be a security guard or anything like that. But, man, if you got a voice, you can come and just hang out for about an hour and just talk to people. Just introduce yourself. Be, make a friend with somebody. And, uh, man, I tell you what, just share the gospel with somebody. Pray that God may lead you to share your testimony of when you come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you know, there's very few things on on uh, in ministry where people are going to come to you. You don't have to go to them. Uh, you probably hear preachers. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those preachers, I guess, ad nauseum. You know, let's go knocking on doors. I love knock on doors and just be a missionary in the community. But, man, you don't have to go knock on doors for something like upward basketball and cheerleading. I'm telling you what, they come to you. They're driving to the parking lot and walking in the door. I'm going to tell you what, there's very few grandparents going to say no to little J- Johnny or Jane uh, when they're coming to walk basketball and cheerleading. They'll listen to a devotion. To, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll painfully listen to that to, to come watch them play ball. And so they're coming to you. And so I just say that to say, man, God's doing some exciting things here at Red House Baptist Church. Would you agree with that? Say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. And just so thankful for all that God is is doing here. I appreciate Miss Linda, the introduction that she gave uh, this morning. Uh, Yes, my name is Ian Carrico. I serve with the Kentucky Baptist Convention. I live here in Richmond, 15 miles away. So this is a pretty easy drive for me. I'd drive two and a half hours to get to you if I had to, but 15 minutes is just a, it's kind of a double blessing for me and and live right here. I serve the eastern half of the state in evangelism. And so any way that I can encourage, engage, equip, resource, listen to, try to, you know, just encourage any way I can in evangelism, that's what I do. 
just so grateful for you and Red House and your ministry in the Kentucky Baptist Convention. We appreciate you, especially uh, your partnership that you provide, being the hands and feet in this community and representing uh, Kentucky Baptists, almost 2,400 Kentucky Baptist churches, and we're thankful that you're one of them. Thankful for your cooperative program giving and all that you give in regards to great mission work that can happen around the world. Missionaries can stay on the field. Students can go to Clear Creek, Baptist Bible College, amen, and receive an education uh, in a very reduced rate because of your cooperative program giving. Seminaries can be funded. A disaster relief uh, can go on. We, as was mentioned, never probably hit as close to home maybe as it has here lately for Kentucky. Disaster relief can be funded because of your cooperative program because your cooperative program giving. We're just thankful that every Sunday, every month, every year, this church helps in regards to that. So you're making a difference many times, and you may not even see it, but you are. And I understand sometimes that can be kind of perplexing, but just trust me, we're grateful for you, and you ought to be grateful for you as you continue to serve and uh, provide here uh, through this church. It is an honor to be with you, and I want to thank you for the opportunity to stand in this in this pulpit and share God's Word uh, with you today. If you got your Bibles, the most important thing we're going to hear from is the Word of God this morning. If you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, chapter number 1. Acts, chapter number 1, verse number 1. I want to read verses 1 to 11. Uh, this morning. Acts chapter 1, verse number 1, and we'll read through verse number 11. I want to speak to you on the subject and title of the unbroken chain of gospel advancement. The unbroken chain of gospel advancement. Uh, the book of Acts is a fascinating book. Uh, really just church history right there uh, in your lap as you open the Word of God up. A lot of things can be said about uh, the book of Acts. Uh, the Acts of the Apostles, as it's been called. Uh, it's a great book. The work of the Holy Spirit through the church has been referenced. And the book of Acts is, I pray and trust this morning as we lean into this great book, that the Holy Spirit of God will lead us and guide us, encourage us, maybe even convict us in how we can be a part of the unbroken chain in gospel advancement. Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. We'll begin reading. The Bible says this, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, that is Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus responded to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and all the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, Jesus was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up 
into heaven. This same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Would you pray with me this morning and then we'll dive into the sermon. Father God, thank you so much for the great worship, Christ-honoring worship that we were led in this morning. Father, we were reminded of so many great truths about who you are. And Lord, we're just grateful this morning that we can be here in this great church. Thank you for all the work you're doing in this church. And Father, I pray as we think about the unbroken chain of gospel advancement, Lord God, that you may stir up in every heart here and every heart watching online, God, their role to play in advancing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, open our hearts and minds to the most important thing we're going to hear this morning, and that is the Word of God. And thank you for this great stewardship and opportunity we can have participation in that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Is that the turn of the 20th century? There's a group of individuals that were classified by one-way missionaries. One-way missionaries. This is a group, and this was an era in the church history where there was such missionary zeal that these one-way missionaries, when they would depart for the mission field, they packed all their belongings into a coffin. And they bought one-way tickets because they knew they'd never return home. One of these individuals was Peter Milne. He was called to go to a tribe of headhunters in the international lands. And all other missionaries that had went to this foreign land had been martyred. But this did not stop Peter Milne from going, responding to the call of God on his life, among many other of these one-way missionaries, to pack all their belongings into a coffin and buy a one-way ticket to a foreign land didn't stop Peter he wasn't trying to play it safe he was simply being obedient to God's call on his life it was amazing about this man of God he would wind up contrary to many people before him that would go off to the foreign land he would wind up serving more than 50 years in the foreign land he was called to And this tribe that he went to minister to and reached with the gospel actually wound up burying him. And they wrote the following words on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. And when he left, there was no darkness. I'm telling you what, that is an incredible inscription. An incredible honor, if you will, that could be placed upon a tomb of anybody. But as we think about this man of God and the dedication that he give himself to in reaching people with the gospel, we can't help but be taken aback to be really probably overwhelmed by even the classification of one-way missionaries and how they would be so dedicated. But you know, The reality is for you and I in Red House Baptist Church this morning as we sit here, that's the call of every one of our lives as Christian people. That's the call of our life to go out and exit from this building, to go to this community and reach people with the gospel. 
In so many ways, God has called you, if you've been saved by His grace, to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. For most of us, maybe a majority, all of us, we'll never ever encounter such persecution as this man of God, Peter, maybe thought he was going to be facing in our own communities, even those that may go out to serve in international lands. But the call of our life is still the same. To be used for his glory, to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ here in Richmond and Madison County, Kentucky and beyond. You see, this is just a snapshot in history. At the turn of the 20th century, these one-way missionaries would earn this classification, but the reality is this call of God goes all the way back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the great commission that he gave to his followers. You see, this morning, in large part, I'm standing here, yes, by the grace of God. And I would have never thought in a million years I would be standing here in this pulpit. And of course, there's a lot to be said about the call of God to bring me to this point this day in the year of 2022. But I want you to know that there's an individual by the name of Joni Carrico, which is my wife now. She was Joni Parham. You see, I was a lost person. Didn't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I started dating Joni, and a rule in her house was if you're going to date our daughter, you're going to go to church with all of us. Now listen, I didn't like that rule very much because I was a lost person. I didn't want to go to church. I had no desire for church. But listen, this morning, because of her faithful witness and her family's faithful witness to a faithful God, guess what? I'm here this morning because Jesus worked in my life because of their witness. You see, they didn't necessarily... maybe have the dramatic call like Peter had to be a part of a one-way mission group that would pack their belongings in a coffin and buy a one-way ticket, but the call of God on their life was to be faithful to Jesus Christ. They went to a a traditional Baptist church in Kentucky where we're originally from, far west Kentucky is where we're originally from, and and I'm a redneck, and that's just all I am. That's pretty much all I know, and I don't know any different. That's We're from the rural places of Kentucky. But listen, the call of God God is still the same there to share the gospel. There are lost people all around this church that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are some 20-year-olds, just like I was, within a rock's throw of this church that need to hear the gospel. And who knows if you may play a part in winning that person to Jesus Christ. The reality is none of us will ever know if we never try, and there will never be a harvest if we never plant the seed. And I believe we're called to be a part of the unbroken chain of gospel advancement that Jesus Christ has called us to. There are a lot of reasons I love the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts because, man, there are so many stories that I relate to, maybe like you. I think about the story of of Paul and Silas. Man, that's a pretty awesome story, isn't it? The midnight hour, they're calling out to God, and there's a great earthquake. I love the book of Acts because there's a lot of fascinating stories that I can relate to. I love the book of Acts because the power and work of the Holy Spirit is just working in the church and calling and transforming people's lives just like you and I. And turning their lives upside down for the glory of God. I like the book of Acts because it's a great story about 
the history of the church. A lot of the epistles you're going to read, Ephesians and Galatians, find their beginnings in Acts. And you'll read about how Paul would go into Ephesus and, and preach a gospel, plant a church in Acts. And then you read uh, the book of Ephesians and you can go back to Acts and see how it all began and how God transformed the people because there's great work there. But I also love the book of Acts because it is is yet another picture of the unbroken chain of gospel advancement. And I love the book of Acts because I find myself carrying a baton today that was given over to many ragtag disciples. And them ragtag disciples were faithful and because they were faithful, they passed baton on to somebody else. And, and then the apostle Paul passed the baton on somebody else. And can we fast forward about 2,000 years and here you and I stand here today because somebody was faithful with the gospel. You see, Red House Baptist Church, no matter what the circumstance might be in our church, no matter what the circumstance may be in our community, no matter what persecution we may face, no matter how dark the days may come, here's what we know about our good God. Here's what we know even about studying history. No matter how dark the day is, God is always shining bright. And God has called forth a remnant. He's called forth you and I to be faithful no matter how hard or difficult the days may be. And no matter what the church may be going through, no matter what the community may be facing, God has called us to one great call. That is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is to have a heart for lost people. That is to focus on the one true living God and be found faithful as a good steward of the manifold grace of God and carry forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. I like what Paul says. I like what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 9. Paul says, For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. I love that verse because what that tells us is that you can't chain the word of God. God's work will always go on. And this morning, as you and I lean into the book of Acts, I want to very quickly, very quickly share with you three links in this chain of gospel advancement that you and I really need to focus on. Because maybe you're asking the question, how can we be found faithful in this unbroken chain of gospel advancement? I think there are at least three chains, three chain, three links, if you will, is a better way to put it, three links in this chain of gospel advancement that you and I can learn from, especially as we look at the book of Acts chapter number one. First of all, number one, the first link that we see in the chain of gospel advancement, number one, we see the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Number one, the preeminence of Jesus Christ in the advancement of the gospel. If you look at Acts chapter one, verse number one, you're gonna see some phenomenal truth here. It's so simple that you'll miss it if you're not careful. Notice what verse number one says of Acts one. It says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus, everybody say Jesus, sweetest name I know, amen, all that Jesus, note, note the words here, look at your Bible, all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. 
And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Now here's what we see in the book of Acts. All the book of Acts is going to teach us from chapter 1 all the way to verse chap, uh, chapter 28. All that we see in the book of Acts is incredible truth. We see God just doing a great work through men and women that are called and transformed by Jesus Christ. But before we get into the nitty-gritty of all that we know and appreciate in the book of Acts, what we see in these first verses of Acts chapter 1 is the main thing, and that is Jesus Christ. You see that? That is Jesus Christ. Now, Luke is writing Acts. Many of you know that and studied that. If you didn't know that, there you go. That's something you maybe learned today. Dr. Luke is writing the book of Acts. This, in many ways, has been considered volume number two of the great work that he, of course, wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Of course, the, the Gospel of Luke being volume one, and this being volume two. You'll note a key figure, Theophilus, is mentioned in verse number one of Acts chapter one. And notice what Luke says here in verse number one. He says, the former account I made which obviously he's referencing back to all that happened in the Gospel of Luke. Now he's leaning into Theophilus as he did in the Gospel of Luke. And what he is doing is he is starting with the main thing. And notice what that is. That is Jesus Christ. And notice what he's teaching Theophilus and what he's teaching all of us. Notice the words here. The Bible says that he is making, he is, he is leaning into the former account of all that Jesus, notice the words, began both to do and teach. You see that in your Bible? He is telling Theophilus of who Jesus is, of all that he began to both do and teach. Now you say, why is that significant? That is significant for this reason. If you and I take our focus off of Jesus Christ, we have nothing else to exist for, church. You see, everything that the church is about is about Jesus. It's not about your preferences. It's not about my preferences. This is not about what strategy I think is best or what strategy you think is best. This is about Jesus Christ. You see, here's the deal. Jesus began this work. You didn't begin this work, and I didn't begin this work. Jesus began this great work. You see, this is not the YMCA this morning. This is not Planet Fitness. This is not a country club. This is the church of the living Lord Jesus Christ. You see, what you and I are called to participate in this morning is a great work through the power and work of the Holy Spirit that started with Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ died for our sins. Jesus Christ was resurrected for our glory. And everything that we're about in this church and everything that we've got to be about in our life has to be about Jesus Christ. It's all about his preeminence. It's all about advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's been said that the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. You see, Luke is teaching, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He is teaching Theophilus and he's teaching all of us that Jesus began a great work. And that work has been passed down from generation to generation very convictionally. And this morning in the year of our Lord, 2022, Red House Baptist Church, you and I are sitting here a part of an unbroken chain of gospel advancement. Jesus began both to do and teach a great truth. Do and 
teach a great work. And this morning we are called to advance the gospel that he died to give to us. We are called to advance a gospel that is able to transform a community, to transform a county, to transform a state, to transform our world. You see, this message is not our message. This message is God's message. This message is about a man who came from heaven to earth, lived a sinless, perfect life. This is about a man who died on a cross by shedding his blood. This is about a man that went to a borrowed tomb and after three days up from the grave he arose this is about a man that showed himself to hundreds of witnesses he wasn't just a ghost floating around he showed himself to many witnesses and then as we see in the book of Acts after 40 days and 40 nights whoop, back up into heaven he went and this morning Red House Baptist Church he is sitting victoriously on the right hand of the father and he is waiting on the call to come back for his church this time it won't be as a babe being brought to a manger he will be on a horse riding victoriously coming back for his church you see this morning we're called to just remember to make Jesus preeminent in our life to ask ourselves a question of what we're doing here about Jesus is what we're doing here honor Jesus Christ and the death that he died for us and the resurrection that he gave to us we are the church and church listen God's doing a great work here. And this community is waiting to hear from you. Kentucky's waiting to hear from you. The United States is waiting to hear from you. The world's waiting to hear from you. They're waiting to hear about a Savior that is able to transform their lives. Some of you may enjoy putting puzzles together. I, 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 guess, I don't guess I mind putting a puzzle together. But man, there are some people that are really into puzzles. Are you in, anybody in puzzles? Anybody like puzzles? All right, some of you puzzle. Here's what here's what really frustrates me about puzzles, and of course I've got I've got four boys, and uh, the oldest fifteen years old, fix me sixteen years old, and then I've got a two year old, so I've got them all over the place, and uh, most of their puzzles are about my kind of puzzles. They're about ten piece puzzles, amen. So they're the big, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the big pieces. Here's what's frustrating about a puzzle: you can put all the pieces together, and then there's always that that one piece that's missing. I tell you what, there's few things frustrating for a person that's like OCD, amen? <laughs> if that piece is not there, you'll burn the house down and try to find the thing. I mean, you'll tear the place up. And then it's probably under a mattress or in the couch or you know, somewhere like that. It's always the case. Listen, church, we can have everything in place, but if you're missing Jesus Christ, you're missing the main ingredient of this church. It's amazing that churches can do ministry it's amazing that you and I can go through the motions. And I'm telling you what, I mean, tragically this morning, I think there probably are many churches going through the motions. They're singing the songs. They're going through the announcements. They're putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. But they're missing one piece. And it's conviction about who Jesus is. It's a conviction about what Jesus said. And it's missing the conviction about what Jesus began both to do and teach. This morning we learn something from Acts chapter 1, don't we? We've got to make Jesus preeminent in our life. We've got to put our eyes on Jesus, church. We've got to put ourselves aside. Matter of fact, Jesus even tells us to deny ourselves. Take up your cross and follow me. 
We've got to die to ourselves so that Jesus can live through us. Number two, the second link, very quickly. Number two, the second link we see here in Acts chapter one, not only the preeminence of Jesus Christ, but number two, we see the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, we see the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at your Bible in verse number, look, go to verse number six of Acts chapter one. The Bible says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, that is, of course, the disciples here, and they asked Jesus these words, or this, this question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And notice what Jesus says. He said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, everybody, says, everybody say Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and he says, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Wow. Now, here's what the disciples were asking, and this is probably something you and I would probably ask. I, I can't say you. Let me just say me. That was the wrong way to put it. This would be something I would ask, because I'm absent-minded at times, and and I need some help along the ways. The disciples heard what Jesus said. They watched Jesus do ministry. And they were completely off base. I guess you would say they probably wasn't making Jesus preeminent in everything that he began both to do and teach. They weren't making Jesus preeminent in their life. But you know why we know that? Because they asked a question. Notice the question they ask in verse number six. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, they were thinking about power. They were thinking about authority. They were thinking about how this power and authority was going to be exercised so that there was just going to be this great takeover and that Israel was going to be able to exercise power and authority through this powerful takeover, through maybe military might or some other means. But notice what Jesus does. Don't you just love what Jesus does? How, you know what Jesus does to correct them? This is Ian Carrico's translation, okay? Let me just say, I'm going to say this, and then obviously it means nothing, okay? The Bible means everything, but this is what basically Jesus says. Boys, y'all have missed it. <laughs> y'all have missed it. That's my redneck coming through for you. Boy, y'all have missed it. This is not about military might. This is not about any kind of kingdom on earth. Ooh, it's good. This is not about the kingdom on earth. This is about the kingdom of God. So here's what you need to understand. His, this is his response, and this is what's most important, right? He said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're going to be my witnesses, where? In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. You see what Jesus is doing here? He's describing to them how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works through transformed hearts. The kingdom of God works through men and women, boys and girls who are lost that need Jesus, both Jew and Gentile, that will be saved by a Savior who came for all peoples everywhere in Jerusalem all the way to the end of the earth. And he tells the disciples the most important thing for you to grasp and get a hold of is the work of the Holy Holy Spirit in your life. It is you positioning your life to such
such a degree that the Holy Spirit of God fills your heart and then sends you out to do the work of the ministry. This is not about military exercise. This is about a spiritual takeover that will come when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So wait. And when it happens, boy, you're going to know it. Of course, Acts chapter 2, we get, we get it, don't we? Pentecost comes. Woo! Boy, we don't have time to get into it. Pentecost comes. Church is filled up. The church is sent out. And people like Peter that once was very timid and shy and broken winds up becoming very bold and empowered to stand flat-footed, flat-chest and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many people were saved. Church, you know what? We see the preeminence of Jesus Christ. We see the power of the Holy Spirit. Here, Red House, listen. The same Holy Spirit that the disciples had is the same Holy Spirit that you and I have. Did y'all hear me say that again? I, I'm not very smart, but I can remember that. The same Holy Spirit that the disciples got... <laughs> is the same Holy Spirit that you got if you're saved this morning. And it's the same Holy Spirit that will empower you to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You know what the greatest need in our country is? You know what the greatest need in our land is? You know what the greatest need in the world is? The greatest need is for people to get saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You want to see change happen? We need change to come, not by some kind of reform. We need change to come because people are transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Our hearts need to be broken, not for uh, all, the, all the strategies that we're missing or anything like that. Our hearts need to be broken because lost people are really lost and they're destined for a devil's hell unless they get saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. Then lastly, and we're done. Number three. It's a real easy, kind of just an appropriate conclusion. Number three, we see the position of our lives. We see the preeminence of Christ. We see the power of the Holy Spirit, but we see the position of our lives. Notice, look at verse number nine. Don't you just love what happens here? The Bible says, when they had spoken these things, while they watched, Jesus was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. <laughs> well, first of all, I'd love to have been there for that. Amen. I'm, uh, I'm kind of a nosy person. I don't know if you're nosy or not, but I'm just kind of nosy. I want to be there for that. That had been pretty awesome. Here they're sitting there looking. Whoop! I'd have been, wow. I may have run away. I don't know what, what I'd have done. But they're gazing. And then the Bible says there are two men, white apparel. You know, what he, you know what the two men tell them? Now, this same Jesus that went up is coming down the same way he went up. Now, we don't see it here. It's not written out black and white. But the reality of this statement, the point of application is this. You can't sit here and watch all day. You got business to take care of. 
So go out. And when he comes back, he's going to come back the same way he went up. But we can't miss an important truth here, can we? Because as we close this sermon out, as we close this day out, there's an important truth, I think, that we must not miss. And it's this. Right worship will always lead to a right mission. Right worship will always lead to a right mission. You see, proper worship will fuel powerful mission efforts. Another way to say it, for you and I to gaze at Jesus Christ ultimately fills our heart with a love that will send us out. And so as we close this morning, what we see is this. Little love for a king will result in little zeal for the king's mission. But a great desire for the king, that is King Jesus, will lead to a great desire to fulfill the king's mission. And the king's mission is to go. Go into Jerusalem. Go into Judea. Go into Samaria. And go to the ends of the earth. And as you go, you're not going to go empty-handed. You're going to go filled up by the Spirit of God. And you're going to go to be my witnesses. Witnesses to what? Witnesses to the work that happened in your life because of what Jesus has done in your heart. You see, nobody, if you've got a testimony of Christ this morning, if you've got a testimony of salvation, you know enough to share with somebody else so they can have a testimony of salvation. And this is what I love about a testimony. Nobody, I mean, people can doubt me. People can laugh at my testimony. But one thing's for certain, I'm sure my own testimony. God saved me. Now, it, may, it definitely didn't happen the way it happened with you because that's why it's a personal testimony. I guess the question is that we close with this morning is how do you, when did God save you? When did that happen in your life? Who was around you when that happened? Where were you at? What was going on? And put all that together and then share that with somebody else. Listen, I, I, I like stuff on the bottom shelf. I don't like stuff on the top shelf because I like to get it off. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to climb for something. I, we don't need to make this more difficult than what it is. When did you get saved? Who's around you? Where was it at? How's your life been different since? Share that with somebody else. That's a witness. That's a witness. You're witnessing what Christ did in your heart. And this morning, you're a part of an unbroken chain of gospel advancement. There are three links that we talked about this morning. It's not the only ones. It's the ones that I gathered from the text. Number one, it's about the preeminence of Christ. It's about what he both began to do and teach. Number two, it's about the power of the Holy Spirit. It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit and being witnesses to Christ. And then number three, it's about the position of your life. Are you positioned to such a degree in your worship that it's leading to a right mission? 
Now, as we close this morning, we're going to have time of invitation. Maybe you're here this morning, and things in your life have been turned upside down. You've lost focus. You're apathetic. You've lost a zeal. You've lost a passion for Christ. You say, Ian, I remember when I was saved, I was fired up. I was ready to to be a part of ministry. I was going to be a part of VBS and upward basketball and cheerleading. And, And Ian, I've just let things, I've let things steal my joy. I'm not in my word like I ought to be. I'm not prayed up like I ought to be. And I'm just in a mess. Maybe this morning you need to come to a place in your worship that you say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, help me. Jesus, restore me back to where I was. Make me excited again to come to church. Make me excited to be a part of the mission that I'm called to. God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Maybe you're sitting here, you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with your heart. Maybe there's somebody lost that you need to be praying about. You haven't prayed about them in a long time. Maybe you need to share the gospel with somebody. This morning you need to come to the altar and just surrender yourself. Maybe you need to say, God, make me a one-way missionary. Lord, fill my heart up because I feel depleted. Fill me up. And then maybe you're here in this place this morning and you say, in the honest truth is I can't answer that que- those questions you were asking about becoming a Christian I don't know where I was I don't know who was around me because I've never experienced that in my life but in this morning I want to become a Christian I want to be saved and this morning you feel something in your heart you feel a burden you feel something happening what that is that's the Holy Spirit It's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. I can't explain it. You can't try to shake it. It's just the work of the Holy Spirit. And this morning during this invitation, you need to come forward. We're all going to be standing. I'll be standing up here. I'll have a mask on. And maybe somebody else needs to help you. But this morning, you need to be saved. You need to be saved. You need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You need to become a Christian. You say, Ian, how do I get saved? Before I come forward, how do I get saved? You can be saved right there in your pew. You get saved by repenting of your sins. You got to repent. Repent means turn. You're going this way, and you're going to turn and walk this way. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but you're going to repent. Number two, you're going to believe. You're going to believe what Jesus Christ done for you by his death on the cross, shedding his blood, and arising again. And a part of that belief is confession. You're just, you're just confessing. You're going to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. You're going to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you'll be saved. Romans 10, 13. Listen to this Bible verse for some of you this morning that need to get saved. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're watching online. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know who that whosoever is? That's you. That's you. That's you. You're a Whosoever. There's nothing you've done too bad that God can't save you. There's no piece of goodness in your life that's going to save you. The ground's level at the foot of the cross. This morning you can be saved. God wants to save you through Jesus. Won't you come? Won't you come and receive Jesus before it's everlasting too late? Can I pray for you? Father, thank you so much for the gospel. I thank you, Lord, for the invitation. It's always open. Father, I thank you for faithful men and women of God 
who have faithfully declared and lived out the gospel for year after year after year, Lord, to the point that we find ourselves here in this year. Father, I pray for this church, Lord, as they continue to walk forward in exciting days to come. Lord, that you would just do a great work of revival. Father, I pray for those who need just to be filled up this morning. Maybe they just need to be reminded, encouraged of what you've called them to as a Christian and the uniqueness of that. Father, maybe there's somebody here lost. They can't answer the who, what, when, where, why, and how because it's never happened. God, may they quit living a lie today. May they fully experience Jesus Christ and salvation. Holy Spirit, do what I can't do. That's save them. Help them, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Won't you all stand on your feet this invitation?